Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Wade In podcast, coming to you as always midday on Monday after a hell of a weekend of sport. Lordy Lord, we were excited on Racing Only Better and rightly so. The weekend really delivered. Not only did our tipping crew deliver loads of winners on Racing Only Better, but the racing itself. So many stories, so much to discuss, all coming your way in the next hour or so. Before I go any further, don't forget Rachel Blackmore's serial winners fund that is up to 155,000 after Rachel rode the winner of the Thiestes chase at Gorham Park on Thursday with ain't that a shame also last bit of housekeeping before we say hello to the boys and um, the next episode of coaching Carter is out soon of course myself and Daryl Carter did episode one he has moved on to episode two episode one was really well received and seemed to go down well and hopefully really looking forward to seeing episode two he heads down, Daryl Carter heads to Oaksy House to spend time with the staff, the jockeys in rehab and learn all about where the proceeds from the Serial Winners Fund, of course, will go to because they will be going the way of the Irish Injured Jockeys and the English Injured Jockeys Fund. So watch out for coaching Carter coming your way. But that is all the Betfair housekeeping out the way. I'm joined by the usual boys, thank God, because I'd be all at sea if they weren't with me at noon on a Monday. Brendan Duke, how are you, my dear? Oh, well, I, I, I think you say it summed it up a thrilling weekend of action. It, it promised much and 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 it delivered. And um, perhaps, I, I mean, there's so much to get into, but perhaps the most extraordinary thing of the weekend was that Cabercan winning a group one in, in Dubai. Uh, I don't remember, you might remember Vanessa a few years ago, there was a book came out called Salmon Fishing in the Yemen. Well, we now yes. have a book that needs to be written called Clocking Them in Kazakhstan because the person who sourced, <laughs> the person who sourced this horse needs to just retire. I mean, this will never be beaten, will it? I mean, what a story that is. <laughs> yeah, and if, you, like and if you're not, if you're not familiar with that, if you go onto the world horse racing Twitter, um, this this horse that won in Dubai um last week had, had originated in Kazakhstan, and they have some wonderful footage of a very agricultural looking race course there, where he made yes, his, where he made yes, his they, winning they, debut. They have drones, but not drainage over in Kazakhstan. <laughs> that, was, that was quite a video, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a line. Uh, Kevin, are you glad to see you're so abreast of the international scene? You see, that's why we have these boys on this podcast. Uh, Kevin, how are you over there? Yeah, great form, great time of year, great racing. Uh, foals dropping, dropping good over here, third foal in the farm last night. So um, we're flying, I'm looking at one out the window right now. So great time of year, weather's kind, uh, great racing. What's not to love? Yeah, on we go. TC, congratulations to you on a number of things, not only flagging up the lossy mouth weight issue, of course, on Racing Only Better. We will get to that shortly, but a good few winners on Racing Only Better as well. So you've got to be in good form, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was, it was a good weekend. Um, didn't, uh, didn't watch a lot of racing live, but uh, caught up on it all last night and this morning. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was a good weekend. It's funny. Why don't you watch? You never watch the racing live, or you don't tend to. Why is that? I, is that because you tend to these days? I mean, I tend not to watch any racing channels or ITV live, and I just fast forward through most of it because I just find right. I'm getting a bit too angsty and arsy when I'm watching it live and maybe commenting on Twitter. So I just took myself out of that loop. Like it, you just took yourself away from the situation. That is a. Yeah, I, I think so because. If I hear something that's wrong or just plainly ridiculous, especially betting related, I just tend to just like 
get more annoyed than I should do. So I just thought, no. Like it. What a man. What a self-restrained man. Okay, guys, let's talk all things weekend review. We've got a few news topics, of course, and also we've got week four of Footsteps of the Festival, where we'll be looking at day four of the festival. And so as a result, we are saving the Sir Gino chat for later on in the show. So we will kick off with the other good performances from Trials Day. Um, first of all, rearrange Clarence House Boys. John Bond goes off very short price favourite and is beaten by Alexia Donuts, courtesy of a bad round of jumping and going to put it out there to you, Brendan. A bad ride? Um. Well, uh, the, the, the horse didn't jump well for him, I suppose. You, you, you could put that down to the jockey. Now, he has previous, I mean, he didn't jump great in uh, Warwick in that match race where when he briefly looked in trouble behind Calico. And he did make a couple of errors in the Arkle as well. Generally, he is a very good jumper. Um, I, I, I wouldn't have necessarily said it was a bad ride. I mean, he went down, jumped the first two, fine. And then he was sticky at the third, reachy at the fourth. And then just generally lack fluency from there. I winged the second last, in fairness, when when he had to have it. But uh, I, I just put in the that, the extra half stride at the last, which killed his momentum and, and ultimately got him beaten. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely is a it, it's a reasonable thing to say, I suppose, that a horse who's normally a very accurate jumper didn't jump well, but uh, correlation and causation and, and etc. Um, I'm not sure. I, I I think it just he 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 had those couple of mistakes early, and I think maybe just lost a little bit of confidence. Uh, so I probably wouldn't blame the jockey. Uh, but there's certainly not a good prep for a champion chase. Uh, you'd have to be concerned going into that race on on the back of a run like that. But then we do know that I mean he put in an exhibition of jumping winning winning in Sandown last year. He can jump better, but he'll certainly have to if he's if he's gonna raise a gallop in the champion chase. I don't necessarily think it was a bad ride from James Wern, but I'm really I'm merely just raising the question. Yeah, no, it's possible. Yeah. Because you know, I think uh, Brendan's right in the sense that he just never got into a jumping rhythm. It was a bit of a perfect storm that then sort of uh the sort of tipping of the iceberg was really the mistake obviously and I suppose why I'm questioning the ride is and I think Ruby did it on ITV as well is it's just like he kind of hurried him after the mistake to make up that ground and go and win his race should he have given him more time to recover would that have helped him a bit more I don't know I'm just I'm merely floating mm -hmm. these ideas because the result still baffles me um I, I thought this was disastrous really um on it like and, and Nicky had raised it pre-race that having to wait the week was far from ideal because he is a bit of a he is a bit of a ticking time bomb to an extent to train and you could see it early. Like like I would characterize him like as very gassy early. You know, he was airy, he was gassy, made made a mistake at the third, then lost his rhythm, started jumping left, um, and then he's had like a proper race ender at the fourth last really like he's lost four or five lengths um and uh, i i would be critical of james bowen um i thought that he he asked the horse to do an awful lot between the third last and the second last and yeah. got there too got there too soon makes a mistake at the last the horse is 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 tired he's had an absolute you know and look getting beats never the end of the world if he won ahead it would still have be, i'd still be saying the same thing because he's had a lung buster um, finishing speed of the race was, was notably slow. He's just had a very hard race there for no gain. 
um, as well as getting beat. You know, it's just not great. I'd say everyone involved would have been a bit annoyed and I'm sure James would be annoyed with himself as well. Um, of course, always oh, way easier to be wise after the event, but um, it, it it just not what you'd like if you're a fan of the horse and you you you're you're with him moving into Cheltenham. Like this was a terrible result. Like this is a very very good horse. He's only ever been beaten by Constitution Hill and El Fabiolo, and he's found a way to get beat by Elixir to nuts and have a brutally tough race at the same time. Like I that that for me in my book that's a disaster. And not to say it can't come back from it, but yeah yeah not good. No, I think I, I'd be on the all page with that. And TC, of course, it's had a huge effect on the market for the champion chase. John Bon out to um to four to one, sorry, from five to two. So he's now four to one for the champion chase. And of course, El Fabiolo is now your four to seven favourite at the top of the market, firming up there off the back of this performance from John Bon. Um, how do you view the champion chase market now? We've spoken about it on Footsteps to the Festival already, but of course, this performance has given it a bit of a shake-up. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want to be rushing to take the forwards about John Bond. It's no surprise that he's five, he's five to one on the exchange. Um, the one thing that really puzzles me about that market is the, this, the relative weakness of El Fabioli on the on the exchange. Now, you mentioned he was rightly kind of like cut to four to seven. He's 1.77, 1.78 on the exchange, which, which on face value would, would seem ridiculously big um given that you go through the race i mean maybe dino blue might be jettisoned into that race now um, oh what's that wouldn't that wouldn't that be great yeah um but yeah i mean you'd, you'd have to worry about john bond um going to cheltenham on the back of that ride i mean i wouldn't be too critical of the ride and You've got to factor in punters in all of this. I mean, he he had, you know, some people were suggesting, oh, you maybe should have looked after the horse and pulled him up. I mean, the horse is fours on. I mean, you you know, and some people do better those stupid prices. So he had a responsibility to go and win the race. And he, I think he traded 1.1 looking at the time form site. I think it might have been a bit, little bit lower in reality, but they, they put bars on it about, you know, how much money was laid at certain points. But uh, I wouldn't be overly critical of the ride, but... I think the the end game of it is um, El Fabiola is just like firming up all the time, isn't he? But strangely, not on the exchange. That is a little bit of a, a sort of strange angle. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm yeah. It's it's a tricky one, isn't it? You want some, you want that race to be a proper. I was so looking forward to the John Bon El Fabiolo clash, and now just feels like that's slightly on the back burner because it's all about El Fabiolo. So, but anyway, let's move on. Yeah. That's true, yeah. Um, Dino, Dino Blue would be well worth her chance getting the seven pounds. Yeah. You know, she she's a player there. Like she, she, I think she's rated 159, 158, definitely. Seven pounds. Like, she's not she's not a mile behind them, you know? Like but but, but would, would, he, would JP run the two? Of course, he has done it in the past, but... When you have the alternative of going off odds on in the mayor's chase, you know, that's going to be a factor too, isn't it? Yeah. Let's move on and talk about the international hurdle, guys, and lossy mouth. Wow. Like we had a Saturday had a bit of everything drama of John Bond being beat, the excitement of the old boys in the cleave hurdle get too shortly. But then if there was like a class prize from Saturday, it was for lossy mouth, wasn't it? She was just different gear in the international, um, ran away with the race from Love Envoy. 
and some inferior rivals in behind. And of course, then it's got everyone talking. Should she be going to the champion hurdle or are we? is she right to go down the mayor's hurdle route, which is where it looks like connections are heading towards? She's now four to five at the top of the market for the mayor's hurdle from two to one. Ashro Diamond, who won up at Doncaster, was a mover down to four to one from sevens. Mary's Rock was also a mover up in Doncaster on Sunday, 12 to one from 20. So the mayor's hurdle market had a bit of a shakeup. But let's focus in on Lossie Mouth, who's also a 14 to one shot for the champion hurdle. And Kev, it's only right that I start with you here because should she be going to the champion hurdle? Uh, no, look, we won't we won't get into it too much. Um, it's literally down to the running order. Don't ask Kev if she should go for the champion hurdle. So criticise Irish trainers, apparently. We, no, I have two. I've two. That's why I have asked you, Kevin. I've I've two thousand words written about it from my at the races piece this evening, so I won't bore you too much. But um, just to deal with deal with the performance, like she was very good. Um, look, I'm 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 hardwired at this stage to be skeptical about these juveniles coming into open company, um, because most of them don't end up being you know one one sixty one sixty five plus hurdlers. Um, but this was a real good start. Um, a real good start. Travelled everywhere. Like she's not. She's she last season even like she was never a slick jumper. Um, like she does give them a couple of inches more air than you than you'd love to see. But she's a very safe conveyance. Um, doesn't make mistakes. And um, Jesus, the, the way she travelled into the race and quickened, um, super impressive. Uh, visually. Um, you know, you can make time comparisons with Sergino that, that are very interesting. Um, Sergino was quicker. Um, but to go away from Leve- Love Envoil like that was very impressive. You can say Love Envoil, um, trip short for best, etc. But still, it, it, wa- it was very impressive. And we don't know where her ceiling is. Like, look, at it, how good is she right now? Based on that, you know, she's still um, certainly well over stone, short of Constitution Hill. But... If she were to take on Stateman to decide who the best hurdler in Ireland is, um, that'd be a contest, I reckon. You know, she's still behind Stateman in form terms, but um, you know, she she's ready for that opportunity now. Um in instead, I saw some comments there about this being early in her development, etc. She's only had one less start over hurdles than Constitution Hill. Um, you know, and I I just don't buy into that. This that they need they need time, you know, if they're good enough, they're old enough. Um, as we've seen, we can cite numerous examples of that. Um, and yeah, really exciting, great to see her back. She looks to be an above average, um, an above average one, you know, coming from the juveniles. Um, how good would she be? I can't say, I don't think anyone can, but the promise that she could be, um, one of the better mares, um, you know. I don't want to say I don't want to get too excited, but this visually, this this was really good, and I can't wait to see her again in, in deeper company. Um, you know, the mayor's hurdle debate, we, we know the, the logical thing is to go mayors, the sporting thing is to go champion. I'm not going to criticize them either way because they shouldn't have this decision to make, would be my conclusion on it. The program should make the decision for them. The connections shouldn't be put in a situation where they have to forego the logical decision to do the sporting thing. You know, the the, the program should should make a mayor like this run in the champion hurdle, but it doesn't. And on we go. And of course, we'll have the usual debate that the mayor's hurdle will be a fascinating contest. It'll be a really good race. We'll all really like the race itself. 
But and so then people use that as a positive <clears throat> for that race being there because it continues to be a good race. But of course, the champion hurdle and the likes would be great races if the mayor's hurdle wasn't there. I, for one, Brendan, uh, I'm kind of fuming not going to the champion hurdle. I just think, you know, Kevin's point that he banged on about so much about they should have run Constitution Hill against Honeysuckle that year that they were both in really good form. And then, of course, they said, well, we'll wait. And then Honeysuckle went on, you know, her form dipped the following season. We can all wait. Like, we can all wait till tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. But who, like we can, might not be here at that point. You know, it's just so frustrating that uh, they won't, like they've got a real weapon here and they're going to get a seven pound allowance and it would only take him to be below par and her to take another step forward and her to have the weight concession and it wouldn't put her that far off him. And we know that all's not gone right with Constitution Hill this season. We know that. And so it's just like, come on. Oh, it's so frustrating. There's my little rant. Yeah, no, I mean, you're you're told you've been betrayed. You've been betrayed by the Cheltenham Festival, which we know can cast such a long shadow over the the National Hunt season that it does lead to situations where horses avoid one another in the run-up to it. And Cheltenham, in their wisdom, decided that they would create the situations where they could continue to avoid one another. So uh, it's a bit of a a disaster for National Hunt racing. There should obviously be no mare's hurdles. There should only be two uh, uh, novice hurdles, two novice chases, uh, grade ones anyway and uh, I'd probably get rid of them in air but I could just about see the case for that because the Cheltenham Gold Cup was on is at such an outlier distance uh, so so that's my rant over but anyway Lassie Mouth will go for the Bears Hurdle because she's entitled to uh, I, it was a hugely impressive performance um, I, I, was, I have to say I was hopeful for her because she is a mare of some substance, she'd be a very different model to a lot of juvenile hurdlers Gallop, Gallimar so for example uh, she, she does have, have physical scope um, you, you know, the, you, to put a love on envoy traveled with a lot more zest than she did in Sandown. So to put 10 lengths into her is quite the performance. And I see a very bright future for Lassie Med, perhaps even having a bar named after her in Cheltenham at the end of all our mayor's hurdles triumphs. Ah, oh, Brandon, you're just uh, killing me off. That Quavega bar is shit anyway. Nobody goes. <laughs> <laughs> They never have a nice gin and tonic. Uh, Nobody goes to it. Nobody frequents it. Good. Um, DC. Mayor's Hurdle Market had that shake-up, as I mentioned. Ashro Diamond and Mary's Rock now. Ashro 4s and Mary's Rock 12s to drop back down in trip from what she did at Doncaster. Um, in terms of lossy mouth, like is she the right price at the top of the market? Four to five now? Yeah, Sportsbook are on their own at four to five. Uh, she's brand about that price on the exchange, but uh, yeah, it's a tricky one with the champion. I mean, the one, the two, two firms that go no one to no bet make her force for the champion hurdle, um, which probably isn't a bad price because she's only going to go there if Constitution Hill doesn't make it. And um, our statement has a setback, but probably not. Yeah, mm. but. Um, yeah, I mean, that's Mayor's Hurdle, whisper it quietly, is is a very competitive and quite a high-class race. You, as you mentioned, Lossy Mouth. I think the handicapper will struggle to get her anywhere near 160 because um, mm, I think there's there's more style than substance to that form. You know, you've got First Street not beaten far behind Love Embroy, who was coming in that off a bad, off a poor run at Sandell. 
so yeah, I think people might be going a bit overboard about the actual merit of the form, but I mean, he was she was wildly impressive. But yeah, you got Ashro Diamond, very impressive. Gala Masso, creditable third to the stable mate coming off the back of a long break, Grade One winner, under control, second to Ashro Diamond, probably go up about three or four pounds. JP might want to go to the county hurdle with with that one. I thought, tell me something, girl ran a mm. ran a very decent race behind Zarek the Brave. I mean, she was going really well in that race when when brought down two out in twenty twenty two. And you've got Marie's Rock, who was you know did it pretty well. Proof she stays three miles, but obviously the step back in trip's going to suit that one, and she won it in twenty twenty two. So yeah, it's a, I thought it was a, the mayor's hurdle was shaping up into a very very good race, but. Uh, as the two guys have already said, uh, should it be there? And just and just a wider point, Anna Vanessa, very quickly, is that we're, for the last while in national racing, the, the fans are being told an awful lot to wait until next year. You know, oh, we'll see it yeah. next year. We could see it this year, but wait until next year. And like we're dealing with thoroughbreds like that, loot, that regress, that lose their form, they get hurt. Like we will, we will reach a moment where the fans start saying no. Like we want to see this fucking now. Like what this is ridiculous. Um, but that that's wider again. We should um, we should make the point. I mean, Lottie Mel's not going for a champion hurdle with Constitution Hill in it. Con she she will go for a champion hurdle if Constitution Hill's not there. So all this kind of like oh, we give her time to acclimatize to open company, great well company. Rubbish. What they mean is <laughs> we ain't going anywhere near that fucking monster. Uh, yeah. Send Joe Chambers and Rich Ritchie that uh, Theodore Roosevelt, you know, the man in the arena statement and just really like hammer it home to them that it's, you know, it's about who those who, you know, what is it? Those who fail daring greatly, like dare greatly, boys, dare mm. greatly. Just yeah, do and, it. And like, we don't, I think like most would agree with you, Vanessa. But again, like this is a situation created by the program. You know, they, like they put like I'd almost have sympathy for them now because they are <laughs> they've got this wonderfully exciting mayor, right? And they're going to get their heads absolutely wrecked for the next six weeks of people getting on to them about the champion hurdle. Like having a mayor like this should be, you know, as good an experience as you ever have in the game, and it's actually going to be a source of dosing for them because the pro and that's the program's fault. You know, I'm not, I, and, I would, and, and I would not blame the fans for calling for it because I agree with them. But like, is this not like a perverse situation that that we, that we find ourselves in? That that, as Brendan says, that Cheltenham have created. And um, look, I know what the solution is. You, you turn the mayor's hurdle into a not to one hundred and fifty mayor's handicap hurdle, and um, and I think a lot of these problems go away, and you end up with like a deeply super competitive. Um, two deeply competitive mayor's races at the Cheltenham Festival that a whole bunch of people have a genuine chance of winning. Do you want the lovely stat? Oh, I found a lovely stat, Vanessa, about, mayor, one, about mayors. Because an unintended consequence of the mayor's hurdle and chase is that when you get a really good mayor, like Lossie Mouth, they actually deter participation from mayors in like the low 140s because they look at it and say, why are we taking her on off levels? And they're actually running yeah. more and more in handicaps how having there not been a mayor to win a, hand, a handicap of any description at Cheltenham for well over a decade? How many mayors have won? How many mayors? How many handicaps have been won at the Cheltenham Festival by mayors in the last four years? Seven. Oh. Wow, that's a massive wow. number. 
you know so yeah. like the, they're actually the, the way the races are structured is actually scaring mares away from running in the mares races and running in handicaps instead where they're being super competitive and pretty much all of those seven would have been perfectly suited to the mares hurdle or the mares chase but their connections are voting with their feet and opting yeah. for running the handicaps because they have a better chance of winning right we need to move on but the we last will. point on this i found that the, the theodore roosevelt line if she fails, obviously I'm replacing he with she. If she fails, at least she fails daring greatly so that her place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat from Constitution Hill. That's the, that's the direct quote, guys. You've been giving um, a lesson, Brendan. Yeah. Say again? You've been giving a lesson to famous quotes. Yeah, yeah, I love a bit of footage on here. Right, we move on, we move on. Stairs Hurdle, TC. Want to get stuck into you here in regards to the market, because obviously the Cleve Hurdle, fascinating race. Noble Yates wins it from a fast-finishing Paisley Park again. Tom Bellamy summing it up afterwards. It's killing me, it's killing me. Tom, you speak for all of us. It's killing us all. But Noble Yates won it and is now 10 to 1 from 16s. Paisley's, Paisley is 20 to 1 from 16s, which is kind of surprising, actually. But the reason that I want to start with UTC is because I hear Noble Yates was backed for the stairs hurdle beforehand and was well back for this race as well. So it definitely wasn't, as with all things Emmett Mullins, it didn't just all happen by coincidence. Yeah, well, it was obviously going into it. It was a race where you could have, you know, made a case for any of them. And obviously on his chase form, if you translated that to hurdles, he had a decent chance. So uh, I can't say I watched the market live, so I won't really comment there. But yeah, I mean, the stairs hurdles a bit of a mess, isn't it? I mean, obviously the, we lost the French horse last week and we've got horses at the top of that market, you know, Irish Point, Stamina, Tiapu, Grounds, Crambo, grade one winner, but is he good enough? And, you know, he's crying out for something. I'm like you. I mean, I think uh, obviously Paisley Park was giving that one weight on Saturday. And, and yeah, we know he's getting on, etc. But, um, yeah, I'm, I was looking at that market last night and this morning on the exchange and, and whisper it quietly, Paisley Park is probably the overpriced one in it. But can you see him winning it? Probably not, but... Yeah, I mean, obviously you got Monk Fisher also. He came back and won last week as well. So he's in there at about 16 plus on the exchange. It's um it's it's a kind of race where I can't get my head around that stairs hurdle, to be honest with you. Mm. I, I love like, it. I... It was a fantastic race, wasn't it? Jesus, it was oh, a fun yeah. race to watch. It was a fun race to watch. Well, what it hammered home for me more so than anything else, Vanessa, is that I think there is a place at the Cheltenham Festival for a veterans grade one hurdle over three and a half miles and we can bring all these old favorites together paisley park champ dashel drasher might not stay to three and a half monkfish sire de burley it'd be a wonderful addition to the festival we'll give these old boys a great chance to win a that, could be, that could be the showcase of a five day saturday wouldn't it make it ah, ha, come on tony where's your it's ambition sarcasm. make it make it six six days bring in we'll bring in the sunday night at, at the Chelsea <laughs> Ironically, it would be a class race, ironically. I, I heard that <laughs> e Emmett Mullen shot Bambi's mother from the Quebega bar on that day. <laughs> didn't he just? Didn't he just? You know, Emmett had a great day. He trained your noble Yates to win the Cleve Hurdle. He like loved doing it his own way, and everyone's frowning at him because Paisley Park walks back into the second post instead of the first. Then he waltzes up to the sale and bids 120 grand on a winning pointer and walks out of there just like, yeah. 
giving it socks, <laughs> Emmett Mullen style. I love it. Love it. Um, Brendan, do you have a view on that stairs hurdles slash anything else to add to the race itself before we move on? And uh, not massively brilliant race to watch, but uh, three lengths covered the first five. I'd be surprised if any of them are winning a stairs hurdle. Oh, okay. But All who right. would you back I'm... in the veteran stairs hurdle? <laughs> oh, you, do, you, 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 you just back Paisley. Just always back Paisley. <laughs> Hero of ours. Good old Paisley, poor thing. Um, what about Ginny's destiny, uh, Brendan? Won the novice's handicap chase for the Nichols team. Went off favourite, kind of did what was expected, I guess. But progressing and might be one that's being overlooked at that middle distance trip. Oh, well, quite possibly. I mean, it, it, as expected, I thought he'd, he'd had all to do off 147. I mean, bear in mind, Stage Star won that race off 142 last year before going on to Turner's glory. He too seemed to face a bit of a mission impossible up, up against Mighty Potter. And uh, I, I don't think Ginny's destiny would be beating the likes of Gaelic Warrior, but I'd say you have to go for the Turners now. And um, he, he, he has a legitimate chance. And if for some reason the fab fluffs his lines... Who, who knows? They could pick up another Turner's. The, um, that's, uh, she's actually, uh, he's actually been cutting the market this morning. I mean, sports were, were wildly out of line with their top price at nines. And at the time, yeah. nine to one this morning, you could, you could have laid him up to 8.6. But they, it's just been cut from nines to 11 to two, Ginny's Destiny for the Turner's. So second favourite. Wow. Interesting. Okay. And that was pre the weekend. He was around 14 to one shot. So people latching on to that. Um, before we leave Cheltenham TC, uh, Capadano won the Cotswold chase and is now 10s from 20s for the Ryanair. It's also been cut for the National, which of course we've seen him in before. Um, is he going to fall between two sort of two different categories because of the yard he's from? He's unlikely to go to the Gold Cup because of Galopin de Champs. The Ryanair might not be ideal for him. Like, is this a case that if he was owned and trained by someone else, and I'm doing my air quotes here, um, he would be a Gold Cup horse or not? Um, well, yeah, he was He was the only unpenalised horse in the race on Saturday. And, you know, on his best form, he had a very good chance. And he was he was eights and a general sevens the night before, and he was punted into seven to two. So um, that's another one the market got right. Um, yeah, I I don't think he's up to gold cup up cup cup gold cup class, but I probably don't think he's maybe fast enough for Ryanair. But that said, that Ryanair is just falling apart all the time. Um, and people talk about the Grand National. Did he get home in it last year? Um, yeah, if I was if he was mine, I'll go with the gold cup. But uh, like I say, I he could run well and finish sixth, can he? Kevin rubbing his hands together is already manifesting, visualising Bambridge walking into that winner's enclosure. I love it, Kev. We're all aboard this train now. Um, even uh, even Nichols, he's not going to run anything against them. He's, he's had a few quid in them as well, hopefully. <laughs> um, let's talk about Jericho de Repinay up in uh, Rossington, Maine, up at Doncaster. Made very heavy work of it. One at odds of four to six, but by a length and a half. Two of the nice horses in lump sum and fiercely proud, but not supreme favourites. As a result, he's been pushed out in the supreme market. Kev, I'm going to start with you here. 
Because I think we made the point collectively that when he was sort of jumped to the top of the Supreme Market off the back of what he'd done in his first two starts, I had a bit of a theory that the bookies were just made, like were desperate for there to be a high profile, sexy Supreme favourite. And he was the one who sort of put his head above the parapet. He was five to one. He's now been pushed out to eight to one off the back of this. And was he just below form or is eight to one and that performance his level? What's your reading of the race, Kev? Oh, you just would have loved him more of a jump forward from him. Because look, we've said with him, like the two days he won, he kind of, you you loved the way he did it. You loved the way he goes. You felt like he was learning on the job. And you just want to see his form come forward. And now, look, you have to acknowledge that there was the scope for him to take a big jump forward was a little bit limited here by the run of the race. Um, like the, as they did on his previous start, they, they went like notably steady and the finishing speed was quick. And I don't think he is a speed horse. Um, but like, and look, he was well on top of them at the line, like really only in the last 10 strides was when he really put his authority down. Um, but yeah, just you want to see more. Like if you're talking about a horse that's a single figure for the Supreme, you need them to be taking bigger jumps forward, really, to justify that price. He might well get there in the end, but if I was with him, and there's plenty of people that have been with him from an early stage, I would have, like, it's not far from a disaster. He's gone and won, but you just, you'd feel a bit better about the whole thing if he'd, if he'd been able to go away from them a little bit better. Um, like, I thought the jump, the, 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 the trip note, the official trip note was very tough on him. I said, didn't always jump with fluency. I wouldn't agree. Um, I thought his jumping was perfectly fine. He wasn't helped by the horse in front of him, um, jump, jumping out in front of him into his path for, for much of the race. Um, but yeah, look, for a horse with kind of so much talk behind him, you would have loved to have seen more. If you were working towards a big handicap hurdle, it's the perfect result, but I don't think they're thinking that way. <laughs> no. No, I think because he's ultimately I, I, beaten yeah. horses rated 128 and 127 off levels, you know, and 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 ha- had to work to do it. You know, you 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 want to see more, you need to see more if he's going to win a grade one. Like this was a grade two in, in only name, and a, a bunch of them were on this weekend actually. And a wider point if the if this quality jumps um reviewer are, are, are doing their job, then they need to look at that weekend because there was a, a, a number of grade twos there that um didn't do justice to the grade. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And in regards to Jericho, yeah, I'd be with you. I think, you know, every, there's no getting away from the fact we'd have wanted to have seen more from him. A um, couple of other horses to mention. Brendan, Embassy Gardens, an mm. interesting mover for the National Hunt Chase. Now 100 to 30 from 7 to 1. And everyone seemed very impressed with his second chase start. He's now 2 from 2. Willie banging on about him loving jumping and that he really sort of, that is what's, taken him sort of massively forward from what he was doing over hurdles. Obviously, that market is far from fully developed, but he's now at the top of it, Embassy Gardens. Yes, and, and, and rightly so. Uh, Willie, I think, was right to mention, to mention his jumping. Uh, all four horses, actually, for a novice chase, the standard of jumping was notably good, but he, he travelled great. He jumped great. Let's be clear about it, probably didn't stay. I'll grant you that. But that Sander Clegane is a very solid stick. I mean, third and Albert Bartlett last year, he's probably going to end up as a chaser, getting up into the high 140s, even the 150s, to put 10 lengths into him. Now, you have the snag with Embassy Gardens that he blew out in that 
that same Albert Bartlett last year, but he seems a much more relaxed model over fences. I mean, he just went through that race with such a likable way of going through the race. He'd have every chance to stay in the trip in the three mile sixer. And he looks, he looks a worthy fav to me. Um, I, I, I know you have Nick Rocket and, and other horses that Patrick could ride, but I'd, I'd imagine he'd be on this. Yeah, intriguing. I, I really like him and I do love the way he jumps. And yeah, there'll be um, much chat about him, I am sure. Right, I think it's time we move on to Footsteps to the Festival. Uh, as I said at the top of the show, it's week four. So we are looking at the three big races on day four of the Cheltenham Festival. And we will kick off because it ties in nicely with more of the weekend action with the Triumph Hurdle. Uh, we got to see Sergino in the Triumph Hurdle trial take on Burdett Road, the big clash between the Henderson horse, the James Owen horse. Uh, lots of chat about Burdett Road, lots of chat about Sergino, but he readily swooped past Burdett Road on Saturday, and he's now six to four favourite from nine to two for the Triumph Hurdle. Burdett Road is all the way out to 12 to one from 100 to 30 favourite, which I personally think is a bit of a dramatic reaction. He was given a very quiet time of it once beaten, and I don't think all is lost with him. Meanwhile, up at Doncaster, Wudu uh, won another race. She won the Phillies Juvenile up there, and she's unchanged at 20s for the Triumph, but she's a much shorter price for the Boodles. Stormheart is six to one bunting eight to one for the triumph tc let us start with you and base your discussion around saturday with sir gino please sir yeah just ridiculously impressive wasn't it i think everything about it suggests it's going to take a, a real good one to come out of the dublin racing festival to even bother her bother him at the top of the market uh like i said performance just it was a 10 out of 10 job wasn't it and Although I take your point about Burdett Road might be a bit of an overreaction. I mean, I don't think there's, you know, there's, there's a hope in hell that that form is reversed at Cheltenham if 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 Sergino goes there all being well. Um, current current price of two point six eight on the exchange. I wouldn't I wouldn't lay that. Uh, I wouldn't. That said, I wouldn't back it uh, because like something you know Willie Mullins is going to be fine. Actually, I was looking at the the entries for the DRF today. Have they did they do the entries much earlier than usual here, or, or all the races early closers? Um, all early closers, yeah. It was it was like all, a, couple, all the of, races a couple of weeks for early closers. Um, the grade ones, yeah. Um, it was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I, I was just yeah. having a look, and they seem to have. Um, well, normally only we get the, the the weekend entries on Tuesday, so I was looking at every race seemed to have runners attached to it, but. Um, so I just wonder if they, they came out early for some reason, but yeah, if, just early closers, the great ones. Yeah. You think obviously the horse that uh, comes second, Salvatore Mundi, that's you know, that's mm. to be coming out. And I was just looking down, you know, Mullins has potentially got about five or six juveniles to you know to come, uh, you know, to launch out against Sergino here, but yeah, in short. Uh, I sus strongly suspect we saw the Triumph Hurdle favourite there, but it's a kind of, I'd rather back him at 10 to 11 on the day rather than 13 to 8 now on the exchange, because as we will see coming up to Cheltenham, six weeks can be a long time with, you know, with, with these horses. And, you know, you know, unfortunately we saw with That's All Right Gino on Saturday as well. I mean, they are, horses are pretty fragile creatures and, um, yeah, I'd like to say, I'd, like like everyone else, you can't fail to be impressed by Sergina. Yeah, it feels like, Kev, we have seen 
obviously the best of what the UK has to offer. And I don't think that pecking order in terms of the juveniles is going to change. Whereas over in Ireland, I think it could be all change after this weekend and a couple of other races. Yeah, big time. Look, this weekend is going to be a big one, isn't it? Because we haven't had one really stamp themselves on the division in Ireland yet. Um, but I think by the looks of it, all the big guns are going to be in the spring juvenile. And look, it'll take something to come out and put them all away with style to be rivaling Sergino in the market, I think, after what he did at the weekend. But it, it, it could well happen. Um, so that that'll be really informative. Um, Salvador Mundi is obviously one that's that, that's getting plenty of chat for obvious reasons, but you know, got to come and do it. Um, one that won't be appearing this weekend that, that I would just flag, um, he is going to go straight there is Nurburgring. Um, because he's a horse, he's a horse I do like. He, he's learning on the job. Um, he ran in the, the graded race at Leopardstown at Christmas and it just went terribly wrong. It was a steadily run race, he needed to be up there. He was up there, but just the, the the run of it didn't play to his strengths. He was battled up. Um, I think the triumph hurdle course and distance would, would suit him particularly well. And um, look at he he even if he improved on what he did at Christmas, it probably wouldn't be enough. He needs to take a good strong jump forward. But I just would highlight him because he'll probably get forgotten about now because he's because he's not going to run between them. He, um, has he got a mark in Ireland? Um, he wouldn't have got one yet, I don't think. Because no, he's he's going he's going to go triumph anyway. Oh, he's not going uh, boo. No, no, unless some, I, yeah, unless something drastically changes, he'll um he'll 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 be going triumph. That's the plan. Good man, go okay. the Teddy um, Roosevelt all the way, all the way with the Teddy Roosevelt. Go on, um, be- <laughs> Brendan. Who would you like to add in as a triumph hurdle horse at this stage? Anybody? Um, not particularly. Again, I'm very much looking forward. Stormheart. I was hugely impressed with Stormheart in um by Punchestella. I like the way he goes. I like the way he jumps. Um, but obviously the the lads have, have said about Sergino. I mean, I thought that was a revelation of a performance at the weekend. Not just for him, for Burdett Road as well. I've never seen him jump as well. Although he's he's he just will not embrace energy efficiency that horse. So he's always going to compromise his chances. But Sergino, I thought that was a very midland round of jumping in Kent. And he seems to really struggle getting in short, but learned an awful lot clearly mm-hmm. um, and, and put up a huge performance. And I would very much enjoy going and seeing him win a triumph by a hurdle because it'd be quite the dilemma for, for, for Nicky, wouldn't it? Because obviously he can't go champion hurdle while Constitution Hill is still around. <laughs> Nicky Henderson running a four-year-old over fences. Mm-hmm. Would he put him out to grass for the season? I ask you. <laughs> would that be the way to go with him, I wonder? I wonder because he needs time. He needs, he needs time, time, doesn't he? He'll need time. Um, Can't get enough time. To teach those horses about energy efficiency. Honestly, they just don't sit down in class no. and take that in. Uh, no. Brendan, let's stick with you for the Albert Bartlett. The market looks like this. Six hmm. to one, high class hero. Eight to one, reading Tommy wrong. Shanag Bob is 12s. Captain Teague is 14s. Gidley Park, after what he did at the weekend, is 14s as well. Lecky Watson, 14s. Gidley Park for Harry Fry, of course, in the last, the grade two at Cheltenham. Um, Lutby at one stage and stays yeah. all day. Gallops. Like the performance, but he's a big enough price in this. Um, where have you landed as a sort of anti-post look at the Albert Bartlett? 
Yeah, I'd say Gidley Park is more likely to stay around for the old bearing Bingham because he did very well to pull it out of the fire, given how keen he was through the race. And I don't want to creep the horse too much. He's a funny old head carriage and a funny old tail carriage as well, but he did pull it out of the fire. So my guess is he won't go here. One horse who will go here, Vanessa, is Captain Teague. Uh, who finished third in the Cheltenham Bumper last year, uh, has been progressive o- over hurdles. I thought it was value for more than the winning margin in the Challow. I do think he'll stay and he would be my selection at the moment. Oh, like it. I'm a big fan of Captain Teague. I feel like yeah. he's going to get lost amongst all that Irish form, TC. He is currently 14s for Brendan. How are you viewing what is very much an open-looking Albert Bartlett at this stage? Oh, TC, we can't hear you, honey. Sorry. Can't hear you, babe. Sorry, it's it's eight point six. Um, the field on the exchange which tells you everything you need to know about the race. The favourite is High Class Hero, who's five from five, but he's never been higher than eleven to ten um, in any of those races, and been as short as two to seven. So we don't know what we're dealing with there. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't see a bet in the race. I thought it was a, a bit of a mess. Oh, really? I, think, I think Tommy Wrong's probably got the best form within El Antique, but would he really excite you? Uh, no, it, it's not a race that really got me going. So, so mm. I'll give that one a That's pass. From point of view. We're yeah, I was, I was hoping twice. to, I was hoping to see Shannon Bob um, weekend gone, um, to see to see where he is in his progression, but he obviously wasn't declared. Um, I thought there might have been a, a small angle to him in that he looks like Nicky's um obvious contender for the race. And if he got there as Nicky's number one, he's you know, he'd be a singular figure price. But yeah, um he, anyone heard an update on him? Uh, he he was due to well, he was entered in the River Don, mm. but he didn't run there. He's been there's been nibbles from him this morning. He's he's into tens on the exchange and mm. uh obviously Shanna Bob's previous Cheltenham run was given a good boost by Kerry Hill who won the River Dom in really impressive fashion. But if you are thinking about backing Kerry Hill for Cheltenham, I think um, I think Ruth Jefferson said they might give Cheltenham a swerve and go straight to Aintree. So, But Kerry Hill was, if, if they said that were going to Cheltenham, on the back of that Doncaster win, that would be one that was interested me. But there's no point talking about it if the trainers don't think she's going to go to Cheltenham. Yeah, it didn't enter him. It didn't enter him when it closed. And, he, you know, and you could see why. He rated 124 at the time. And it had been beaten, you know, seemingly um, exposed at Cheltenham that day. So you could see why they didn't. But um, geez, he's taken off again, hasn't he? They, they, they could sup, they could supplement, but uh, yeah. I don't, it didn't sound like they were that bothered about it, to mm. be honest with you. Like, I don't know if they see him as much more of a long-term prospect. Should we move on to the Gold Cup, guys? Yep. Gold Cup. Big race, obviously. Captain obvious here. This I'm making stupid statements because I had lasagna for breakfast. It's just a rookie error that don't have lasagna for breakfast, guys. Or don't admit um, to it. Yeah. Or don't admit to it on a podcast. Yeah, there's that as well. Thank you, TC. Yeah. Right. Gold Cup, even money favourite is last year's winner, Galloping Deschamps. Uh, four to one, fast or slow, the horse who obviously beat him at Punchestown since. Eight to one, Shishkin. Nine to one, Jerry Kalom. A nine to one Lahon Press and 14 Hewick. Those are your top few in the market. Fascinating. I'm going to love this discussion. Kev, I'm going to start with you here. We know Galloping Deschamps deserves to be a very short price favourite. He's won the race before. He got back on track at Leopardstown in flying form, et cetera, et cetera. But there's got to be value in these prices somewhere. And I need you to tell me where that value lies. 
Is um, it with fast or slow? I I do like fast or slow. Uh, I do like fast or slow. Is he the value at his current price? I'm not sure. Um, Gallop and the Champ look deserves to be short. Um, there, there's a view. There's a view, and it's not an unreasonable view that Gallopin may have been a little bit flattered to win by quite so far um, as a result of track position in the straight. Um, I, I can see the logic behind it, but look, it's not like we don't know anything about the horse. You know, We saw what he did last year, and look, I think the main takeaway from um, the Savile's chase is that the way they rode him, how much it seemed to suit him returning to that type of ride, and you'd have very little reason to think that he won't turn up the Cheltenham in a similar sort of form to what he was last year. And that sets the bar super high. Um, look, we'll hopefully see him this weekend and it'll all go to plan. Um, but like he is he is the outstanding horse in the mix at the minute. Um, like fast or slow is probably sticking his hand up at the back of the class going, but sir, sir, what have I done wrong? And the answer is not a whole lot. And he's beaten Gallup and Deschamps a couple of times. Um, he, so he is like, we, we talk about Lassie Mount being the, the, you know, the last interesting rival for um, Constitution Hill, fast or slow, um, like definitely fits into that bracket. He's not the last one, but he's, he, he's, he's, um, he's one of the few. Um, because you know, over this course and distance, the rematch like would be would be really really interesting. Um, gentleman's game is the one I, I had in my mind ever since he beat Braveman's game as potentially the the sneaky one, but we haven't seen him. Sounds like he's going to go straight there. Yeah, couldn't love that preparation. Um, you know, he, he's inexperienced as it is. Not to say he couldn't still be a, a factor on the day. I think stamina. The, the emphasis on stamina that we get in the Gold Cup would suit him really well. So look at the current prices, you know, 20 to 1. Um, it, it's still interesting for all that I'd rather take a few nudges shorter if he got a prep race in that went well, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. TC, did you find a bet in the Gold Cup itself? At this uh, stage? No, I didn't. I feel that market is, is pretty much bang on. Nothing really screams out at me. It'd be interesting because you're getting vibes that... Um, Gallipin de Champ and Jerry Colomb might not go for the Irish Gold Cup at the weekend, and that would be, you know, that would be disappointing, wouldn't it? As mm. Kev said, yeah, I think Jerry's effectively been ruled out, hasn't he? Yeah, and I think they're making lukewarm noises about Gallipin de Champ's going there. And uh, no, I've got no opinion at the current prices, so I won't rough, uh, I won't, uh, I won't rabbit on. What about you, Brendan? Is there anything in there away from Galloping, whether we do or do not see him at the weekend, that gets you in any way excited price-wise? Yeah, it's raining here heavily at the moment, but there's no rain forecast from from now to the DRF, so they'll have to put plenty of water on if they want to mm-hmm. get, get ready to, to send Galloping. Uh, I could see a world, to answer your question, at a price where Carrick Rambler could run into the frame in, in a yeah well I mean so I always call this horse I, I, I always call this horse a, 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 an old rogue an old rogue is one of two Cheltenham festivals and a grand national gadget you'd love to own him but he's definitely a horse who comes alive in, in, in the spring he should get a strong pace to aim at here he loves Cheltenham um I, I mean, the form of, of that ultimate from last year, albeit he was getting four pounds from fast or slow, but he, he beat him snug enough at the end, I thought. I could see a world where he places his 20 to 1 if you wanted a sporting wager, but I actually haven't backed him myself. No, I, th- I think he will be a very popular one, Brendan, in, in the, you know, for, for for enthusiasts, for the, the old boat and the Gold Cup system. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah, he, like he's it. Perf- he's perfect for that because he stays so well. He's ridden the way he is. And um, he, he's ideal for the job, really. And you could you could definitely see him slipping into the frame. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, his stable mate it sounds like Allah um, it sounds like oh my god Ahoy Sunyon thank you uh, is going to run Ahoy, in the Ryanair sailor. <laughs> Ahoy, Ahoy Sailor Ahoy Sailor is going to run in the Ryanair and so we know how well Lucinda Russell's strike rate how good Lucinda Russell's strike rate is at the festival she could have another big week with her stable stars interesting Corrit Rambler shout Right, let's move on and talk about news and views. Various different things this week have come about on the news um, pages of the Racing Post, but we've just focused in on the main topics, really, and we are going to start with the aforementioned lossy mouth sort of leak from the BHA in regards to the penalty structure and what penalty she was due to carry in the international. And, of course, this was brought to light by our very own TC, on Racing Only Better on Thursday, TC, rightly, you were questioning why she was carrying the penalty she was carrying. It should have been less. And then you started the wave of change. And the BHA realised there had been a mistake. They rectified it. Obviously, she ran with the right race. But courtesy of you, TC, you got everyone talking and the issue resolved. You must feel very proud of yourself. No, never. Um, I think we can deal with this very quickly. I mean... It's generally by by luck that I came across it because the first thing I do, I do my pace maps and then any conditions race or graded race, I, I go through and do the adjusted weights of the officials, uh, of the official you know, ratings you know, with the penalties factored in. And I looked at it and I immediately just thought it was wrong uh, unless there was some nuanced reason why it was different from what was normally the case. And, you know, I, I literally text, I went through my text, I, I, I text... Uh, you know, connections of, of Lossy Mouth at, uh, just after midday on Thursday. So it took a fair while for that to filter through. I do know they were on the case that afternoon and that evening. Um, uh, but the, I think the question to ask here is, is, is the BHA system, is it automated or is it manual? Uh, but and if it's manual, um, then how many of these have, have gone through unnoticed? Um, and even if it's automated, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to have heard something more detailed from the BHA or journalists asking them. Like I said, they might have done on ITV or Racing TV or Sky Sports Racing. I don't know, but, but I haven't heard or seen anything on social media to that effect. But yeah, it was just very unfortunate. But the, the thing is that they had the flexibility to actually admit the error, correct the error, because I'm not sure if it's happened before in the UK. And I'm not even sure they can point to uh, one of their rules of racing that allows them to do it. But the important thing is, the uh, the correct weight was uh, was applied. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's an interesting one, like you say, about whether it's an automated system or a manual system. And I don't, I mean, I may have missed it too, TC, but I, don't, I haven't heard anything on that. And I would just be fascinated to know about how that all works because if it's a manual system, it's, it's very laborious, obviously. Um, interesting. We may well hear a bit more on that in due course. Um Kevin, I want to talk to you about this Coldwell dispersal. Um, obviously, the owners, uh, very high-profile owners in Ireland, the owners of Coldwell Potter, the recent grade one winner, Mighty Potter, who, of course, sadly deceased. They have roughly 28 horses in training, and they, have, they run under Coldwell Construction Limited, of course, and they have decided that they're getting out of the game. They'll be selling their horses at the sales this coming week, including grade one performers, very promising young horses, the majority of them in the Gordon Elliott yard. So it's a big blow for him. 
And they've announced that they want to get out of the game. They've referenced the fact they've got a young family. They put up a um, quote, a, a, a statement, I suppose, on X that said further to the sad loss of one of our young horses, DP Cooper. Again, as the as a family, we're absolutely heartbroken. Having a young family, it's hard to cope with such losses. So they're putting this exit of the game onto the fact that basically they've had a very emotionally trying time with losing good horses and they're not taking it well and they've clearly fallen out of love with the sport a little bit. But it's quite a high profile exit from the game and in quite with un, unprecedented explanation, maybe. Is that a fair way of putting it, Kev? Yeah, yeah. Um, look, the, the, they came into the game with, with a splash very quickly, got big very quickly, enjoyed plenty of success, and they're, they're leaving it with a bit of a splash and, and a curious splash, you'd have to say. Timing-wise, bizarre. Um, execution of the dispersal, You'd have to say a bit bizarre. Um, if you were looking to maximise the value of your horses, you, you'd certainly sell them just before the Dublin Racing Festival rather than just after. Um, the fact that they, none of them are going to run at the Dublin Racing Festival pre-sale, it it's curious. It is curious. Um, but look, you, um, they they've said what they said, and that's it. I'm sure it'll be a, it'll be a, it'll be an exciting sale. I'm going to try and get up there myself. It'll be some fair fireworks there. Puts Gordon in a in a tricky spot. He's going to have to try and rally, um, some owners to try and to try and get the the ones that he wants to keep bought to stay in the yard. He said as much himself when he was interviewed yesterday. You could tell he wasn't in super form about the whole thing, and um and yeah, just uh, cur- curious, but. You know, people, they, they've said they've said what they've said and um yeah it'll it'll be an exciting sale yeah it is it is really interesting to know if there's any more layers to this Brendan I doubt we'll ever find out to be honest with you um but it is intriguing because the reason they've given but add that with the timings as Kevin's outlined there doesn't make a huge amount of sense. And 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 then add into it how interesting the sale is going to be because these horses, you know, grade one winner selling, you see winning pointers who have done nothing under rules fetch half a million year in, year out as four-year-olds. We've got a proven horse here. What's he going to cost at the sales? I don't know what the price tag is there, but the whole thing is very interesting. But I feel like we're going to come out of this with more questions than we have answers. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's great for you. You're an auction ultra, so you will get to answer these questions of uh, of of what these horses are worth by the, by them selling publicly. Uh, I, I'd say <clears throat> Kevin summed it up very well. It just seems very strange. These are almost like conditions that have been imposed upon you. I don't see why you would limit yourself this way. That they have to be sold at public auction and they will not run at the at the DRF. The the only thing I could possibly come up with was you know sometimes again uh, with your uh, auction background you know what that sale on the eve of Royal Ascot, the blood can get up and people can go mad buying horses to have a runner at Royal Ascot. But in that case, would you disperse them maybe a week before the Cheltenham Festival to let to let to let it build like that? It's it, 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 it's definitely strange, but certainly if it's a case that the conditions have been imposed on them by an outside agency, that will come out ultimately. So I'll, I'll watch it with some some interest. Very interesting. They arrive quickly. They're leaving quickly, as is often the case with those who go from naught to 100. Um, 
Very interesting indeed. Right, we move on to the next topic, which is Tipperary's all-weather track, Kev. This one's yours. New all-weather track coming to Ireland. Ah, great day for the parish when I said this was. Um, great, great, great news. Been um, pushing away on this for a long time, so it, it got badly held up. These plans were... Where, where they, they got initial plan and permission like almost a year and a half ago and there was an objection from a resident um, living in close proximity to the track and um, unfortunately for a whole range of reasons it got really slowed down in the appeal process but it finally got concluded last week and it's been given the green light for go um, I put up um, a, a screenshot on my old social media there of what it's all going to look like in terms of plans um, it, it'll be a fabulous race course. Like there was nothing wrong with Tipperary turf track as it was, but um, they're going to extend the straight track. They're going to they've bought some adjoining land so they can make uh, the the home bend a lovely wider sweep. Um, new parade ring, you know, a whole bunch of new facilities. Uh, it's going to be superb. It'll be fantastic for um, the Irish racing industry. Um, it'll be particularly fantastic for the southern half of the country because. Um, the motorway is 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 well worn by trainers from this neck of the woods going up and down to Dundalk to Gallop Horses, and uh, I, I dare say that Tipperary, the all weather at Tipperary will be never not be in use from um, trainers and point to point handlers even and traders breeze up men uh, utilizing it on non racing days. So this is brilliant. Uh, really in terms of in, in terms of in terms of how long it'll be before we get it online, I don't know. Um, originally they had a hope to get it. You know, when the the planning was initially given, they were hoping to start um last year and be finished and um, before the end of this year. But look, we've had a sixteen month delay, so um I don't think it'll be certainly won't be this year. We'll wait and see on timelines. It'd be brilliant if it was there for the end of twenty twenty five. That might be a shade ambitious, but we'll wait and see. Yeah, brilliant. I look forward to that. It'll only be a big positive for the sports, but yeah. Um, boys, last topic to discuss. TC, we'll start with you here. It is an Irish piece, but I'm sure you'll have a view on it. Um, the Irish Independent, uh, Sunday Independent, was it? Put a three-page spread interview out uh, with Paul Kimmage, done with the IHRB's chief executive, Dara O'Loughlin. Um Paul Kimmage, of course, we've spoken about him plenty and the articles he's done around drug abuse theories in Irish racing and other things as well. Uh, he's got the bit between his teeth with racing and he sat down with Darrow Lachlan and had a conversation with him, which was published, as I said, over the weekend. I, to start with, TC, I thought it made for pretty dull reading and then it did get quite spicy. But my overriding view was how impressive I thought Dara O'Loughlin was in the way in which he dealt with Paul Kimmage and the angles Paul was trying to attack him with. It felt like he was backing them back pretty strongly, I thought. Yeah, I mean, this is probably one that Brendan and Kevin have got stronger views on than me. But yeah, I mean, if that's what gets into print, um, you'd like you'd like to have the full transcript of the actual interview itself, wouldn't you? Because obviously, <laughs> it would probably project himself a bit more positively, yeah, as positively as possible there. So, yeah, I think this is probably one for Kevin Brendan. Oh, I didn't think much of it, to be perfectly honest with you. But coming back to the Caldwell private sale, having oh, had yeah. one bet at Cheltenham, I hope the new owner of Field Door 
doesn't get a bit <laughs> of go to the champion chase now. You know, you know what you can do, Tony? You can rock up to the sale. You can put your hand up. You can buy that horse that can run in Tony Calvin's colours and you can run that horse wherever you want. Ideal. And he might and he might well be bidding against the other Tony. Who well, is the Tony who shall not be named on this part. Well, the only the only thing I'd say that there, if it if it's on the same colour like credit uh, options that the these sales normally perform at. <laughs> I'm going to go there, spend 20 million, and nobody's going to proof But I'll, 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 I'll go there and buy all 29 and just say, look, I'll write your check a bit later. And then with I might go there in a balaclava. <laughs> and so nobody will definitely know who I am. So they definitely can't ask me for proof of funds. Uh, anyway, I'll um, let the other two deal with this one. Yeah, yeah. Brendan, let's start with you then with the Darrow Lachlan piece. Were you in agreement with me that he came across as a pretty impressive character when in that conversation with someone like Paul Kimmage, who clearly has an axe to grind? He'd hate me saying yeah. that, but he does, doesn't he? Let's be honest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, I thought, I thought it was impressive. He came back at Kimmage. Kimmage said, oh, you've singled out Stephen, Stephen Mann. Uh, because he was a whistleblower, and he said that, that's nonsensical, uh, which which is the, the right word to use. They they've singled him out because um, he wasn't able to look after his horses, and uh, some of the things that they come out were horrific. We don't need to uh, re rehash them now. And uh, as for Mahan being a, a whistleblower, he's just not a credible person. So uh, he, well, Kimmage seems to think he's a credible person, but uh, no one else does. I like the. The stuff about um, the drug testing, how come the Irish horses who travel and are successful on the international stage never seem to fail a drug drugs test in, in other jurisdictions, I would say to people who push this angle that it, 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 it they're all juicing and that the whole thing is a pantomime. How come you get people like a, a Gordon Elliott um like a Gavin Cromwell, like a Jair Lyons, who were able to break into the upper echelons uh, of Irish race. And what is it that they've just got the latest really good juice and, and they, 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 they have a great season, but it doesn't happen like that. All of those trainers that I've named have got progressively better, almost like they're really good at conditioning horses. And that's that, that that's why they're better. You don't see these situations because I would, I mean, I would guess that in the world of illegal performance enhancing drugs, as with all things scientific, it progresses uh, at, 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 at a rate of not. So you would have, if this was the case, you would continually have access to the latest designer uh, illegal performance enhancing drugs, and you would just see trainers come out of nowhere. But 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 that doesn't happen. Uh, so um, I, I thought he did did a good job explaining that. Kimmage, his usual self. I mean, a shadow of a journalist. He's like he's got Tourette's at this stage. He just mentions Lance Armstrong and Jim Bulger at every turn. Lance Armstrong. <laughs> Lance Armstrong was the most tested athlete in the world, and I mean that's true. But I mean, the encouraging thing is Lance Armstrong was caught. I mean, Irish racing has been dominating uh, national hunt racing and improving all the time as a factor on the international stage for 25 years now. I mean, if, I don't know about you, Vanessa, but if you if you want to try and land a gamble with a horse, to see how many of them are blown up overnight by people who can't hold their piss. No, and everyone just gives it all away on Twitter these days. And I mean, I say everyone, I mean me. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm as guilty as the next one. But people just loose lip sing ships. That's that, that's a thing of the past. Now everyone's just telling everyone. So it's very hard to keep a secret in this day and age. And for Irish racing to be drug riddled for 25 years and nothing to come out does not seem credible to me. 
I would agree. Kevin, what I want to ask you is quite simply, what what was the point of the piece, do you think? Um, well, not getting Daryl Lachlan to sit down with him and do an interview makes it worthwhile. And like that was my main takeaway. It, it, it's no, it's, it's be... definitely worthwhile. I, I I get that. But as in, what do you think he wanted outcome-wise? Wanted to do his usual of kind of be, being the tough man interviewer, asking the tough questions, didn't he? Um, and oh, and look, yeah. look, 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 my takeaway from this was just to, to admire um, Daryl Lachlan for doing it. Um, I don't think that there would be a racing regulator um, either side of the Irish Sea that would have agreed to do that. Um, because you you know exactly what it's going to be. You know the nature of the questioning, the aggression of the questioning, the fact that you're not going to get any sympathy and portrayal. Um, you know that that's there's uh, most people having been asked to sit down for that particular interview would say, right, what's there to gain from this? And they just wouldn't do it. So the fact that Daryl Lockton did it is highly impressive to me. And I'd echo what you guys said. I thought it came across brilliantly. Um, you know, straightforward, transparent, um, you know, made admissions of shortcomings um when there was admissions to be made and and fought his corner really well um in the face of some some highly dubious questioning at times, in my opinion. Um, so I you know, I think that was my takeaway. And look, I, I would have been and look, people that listen to this and that, that have read my few bits over the years, like there wouldn't be many people in the race and press that would have gone in harder on the IHRB than me over the years. And I was highly skeptical about Darrell Lachlan's appointment, um, him being, you know, someone that would admit himself knew zero about racing when he came in the door. And historically, those type of appointments to high profile spots in racing generally don't end well. So I, I was extremely skeptical about him and having been handed such an absolute mess to take over, like I'm just getting more and more impressed with him. I thought he handled himself um, really well, went under extreme pressure um, last year at, at various different times. Like I thought that the, the look on Sunday thing with Charlie Lines was deeply unfair on Daryl Lockley. Great TV, but but deeply unfair. Um, as he points out in the interview, you know, it's, we'd be getting worried if Daryl Upton was going around making friends with trainers. Um, so I, I'm, I've just been very impressed with him. I think I, I feel better about the, the leadership of the IHRB now than I think I ever have in, in 20 years in the sport professionally. And I just hope he can drive on and get things achieved. We, we know that the, the, the wheels of progress turn super slowly in our game, but, but I, I think we might have the right man. And, um, I'd like to say, I just, I just say it again. Fair play to him. So I think he did really well in in a, in a difficult situation that most wouldn't have even put themselves into. Never mind uh, ma- making the best of it. I agree. I was I was very taken with it, and the fir- about the first third of it, I was like, Do I have to keep reading this. It's very dull. And then actually, it did get quite spicy, and I yeah finished it thinking. Good on him, as we yeah. and, and, and look just, just so because you will inevitably get people that will listen to what we've just said and say, "Oh, Kimmage piling." Like in fairness to Kimmage, for all the shortcomings of what he's done on racing in the last couple of years, you know the Homer Scott case did to get a run out again in this interview. Uh, like that was great work from Kimmage. You know that that was a very bad case, um, and the IHRB dealt with it the wrong way, as Daryl Lachlan acknowledged. Um, you know, the, the, that was good work from Kimmage, but unfortunately, he's just continuing to to lean on the the, the old guff that that you know got got him going on the subject, um, and he just won't won't let that go and and move on or develop it. 
Um, so yeah, it's, we won't make it a complete pile in, but um, yeah, you'd you'd love to see you'd love to see these things developed, new, new, uh, new material, new evidence, new revelations, because mm. otherwise we're just down the road of rehashing constantly. We love new evidence, don't we, Kev? Right. On that note, I think we should wrap up this show, guys. To you guys, as always, TC, Brendan and Kev, thank you very much. Good fun as always. We'll be back with two episodes of Racing Only Better this week, courtesy of the Dublin Racing Festival, Thursday and Friday. Cannot wait for that. I'll be heading over to Ireland as well. Excellent week in store. And don't forget Daryl Carter's Coaching Carter episode two will be out probably by the time you're listening to this podcast. So please head over to the Betfair YouTube channel to watch that it'll be excellent i am sure i'm looking forward to that as well and don't forget lossy mouth connections dare greatly i beg you to dare greatly go for the champion hurdle on that note everyone have a good week join us again with racing any better but for now thanks for listening that was waiting <laughs>